Well, good morning, GCC. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, as Steve told you, my name is Joshua Moody. Uh, me and my wife have been a part of GCC for about the last three years. Uh, and so to let you know just a little bit about me, me and my wife, we are both uh, teachers at Pantigo Christian Academy, which uh, operates here in the same campus. Uh, and we, we love uh, the time that we get to spend there. Also, uh, starting this next fall, all three of my little ones... Uh, Paisley, who's in third grade, Finley, who will be in kindergarten, and Jack, my little guy, who will be in pre-pre-K, we will all be under the same roof. Well, not technically the same roof, but we'll all be on the same campus. We'll all be together uh, with each other, and we are so super uh, excited about that. I do take it as an honor uh, to get to speak to you today. I know uh, my dad was a, a pastor, so I know that a pastor giving up his pulpit to somebody else coming in to speak is a big deal. And so I take it as, uh, as an extreme honor and a privilege to get to speak with you today. And man, what, a, what an awesome worship set to start us off uh, in getting us ge- geared towards our, uh, towards our discussion today. We are going to continue with our storyline series um, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 18. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there. We're going to be in verses 17 through 39. Uh, we are going to have some of the verses up here on the screen for you as well, if you'd like to follow along that way. Uh, but one more thing before we get into the, to the meat of the message today, one more thing you have to know about me is sports is a huge part of my life. Growing up uh, from grade school all the way through junior high into high school and even a couple years in college, I was able to participate in athletics, believe it or not. About 20 years ago and none your business pounds ago, this was a body of an athlete. Uh, and so I enjoyed participating in anything that I could get my hands on, right? Uh, playing baseball uh, in the springs. I'd play football in the fall. I'd play basketball in the winter months. Uh, and, and we just went season to season to season, constantly going with sports. If I wasn't playing a sport, I was watching a sport. And if I wasn't watching a sport, I was reading. I was the nerd kid inside my room reading stats from the newspapers, right, or from the Sports Illustrated. I was memorizing everything I could about sports because sports consumed my life. Uh, and there's a lot of good things that, are, that go along with sports, right? You learn a lot of great things. You learn about teamwork. You learn about uh, a work ethic, hard work, uh, dependability, trusting the guy next to you, right? That he's going to do your job and you do your job. And if both of you do your jobs and everybody else does too, then we're going to succeed, right? Uh, we, we also learn about uh, how to be humble if we lose, right? Uh, and then we also learn about how to be a good sport when we win, right? Uh, and, and one thing you have to know about me is I was... I was not very happy when I had to learn about the humbleness of losing. I, I like to win. Anybody else here like to win? Like, it doesn't matter if it's rock, paper, scissors, tic-tac-toe, or one-on-one basketball. I am here to beat you, right? I mean, I love you, but I'm also here to win. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try everything I can uh, to win. What we're going to be introduced to an individual today in, in the prophet Elijah is he is another guy who likes to win, right? Uh, and w- what I found out very early on playing through all those, all those sports growing up, uh, as well as watching them on TV, reading about them later, is a lot of those guys who had that killer instinct mentality when it came to the court or onto the field uh, that were the very best at their positions or the best at their jobs, a lot of them were very confident in what they did and confidence, the confidence in their wins bred something that is woven into the very fabric of every athletic endeavor you could ever think of, right? It's, const- it's always been a part of athletics, and I feel like it always will be as much as people try to change the rules and try to limit it. Trash talk. You will never take trash talk out of sports, right? Now, I was never the loudmouth guy. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't nearly as good at it. I told you I grew up in a pastor's home. I didn't get a whole lot of chances to uh, practice at home the vocabulary that goes along with some of the really good trash talk, right? So I was never really good at it, but I always loved being on a team that always had that guy, 
You know, that one guy who would, maybe he would be the one who was in charge of guarding the point guard. And you know he wasn't really good. You're not going to get anything from him buckets-wise offensively, right? But when it comes to defense, he's going to pester that other point guard to death, right? And he's going to constantly be talking trash, talking about his mom and everybody else, right? Anybody who, who, who cares about him, he's going to be talking about him, trying to get into his head to throw him off his game, right? A lot of our, our stud athletes in our sports, these major names that we know, they were awesome at trash talk, right? Michael Jordan, I didn't realize it as a kid because they were too busy trying to sell Gatorades and tennis shoes, but Michael Jordan wasn't epic trash talker, right? It wasn't until I watched that last dance documentary that I found out just how much trash that that guy talked, but I mean, could, there's nobody else that could back it up any better, right? Uh, but, but what we're going to see today is, is a divine type of trash talk by the prophet Elijah, a guy who loves to win. And like I told you with the, going back to this worship set, man, what we're going to see in our scene today is a God that is running after his people, just like he is continuing to run after us today, right? He, is, he comes to Elijah and he says, I am sick and tired of my people running away from me. It's time for us to run to them and go win them back. It's time for us to have a win for the people of Israel. So open up to your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 18, and we're going to start in verse 17. Uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory between the relationship of a couple people we're going to meet right here, Elijah and King Ahab. King Ahab is the current king of Israel. He is a bad dude. He is not good. Uh, he is a very wicked king, right? Uh, a couple chapters earlier, he has a, an altercation with Elijah, and Elijah calls out his wickedness, and he says, here's what's going to happen. Because you've been so wicked, it's not going to rain in this region until I say it does. Right? And then there's this three and a half year gap between that threat, or not really a threat, it's, it, it actually happens, it's a fact, uh, that Elijah says to King Ahab, it doesn't rain for three and a half years until we get to this scene right here on, onto this mountain, mountain of Mount Carmel. Right? Uh, so he tells, he tells King Ahab, you have done wrong in the eyes of the Lord. Right? You are wicked, and because of your wickedness, you're going to be punished. There's going to be no rain for three and a half years. So check out verse 17 in chapter 18. Now, Elijah is coming back into the presence of Ahab, and it says, When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, O troubler of Israel? And here's where it starts, right? This is going to set Elijah off, ready? And he answered him and said, I've not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments to the Lord and followed the Baals. Now, what we're talking about here and what we're going to see uh, these prophets of Baal later on is Baals is a very generic name for an umbrella, if you will, of multiple gods, right? Uh, So there are multiple gods of Baal, right? And the one that Elijah is going to challenge here in just a little bit on the mountain is going to be the Baal god of rain, right? Because they've gone three and a half years without rain. So we're going to find out who who is the true god, who is the one true god. Uh, so Elijah, Elijah comes up to Ahab. Ahab immediately says, man, you're nothing but trouble, right? Why, what are you doing here? You coming to trouble the nation again? And Elijah says, no, it's not me that's caused this trouble. It's you. So he reminds him of that curse, that three and a half year curse that he put on him. The, uh, the three elements that we're going to unpack today, and I'll give them to you before, uh, we, before we start, and then we will uh, uh, talk a little bit about them as we go. Uh, the elements that we're going to be talking about today is, number one, the challenge that's laid down to the prophets, number two, the charge given to the people, and number three, a choice that has to be made. So let's see how Elijah challenges the prophets. Let's go to verse number 20. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. 
And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if it's Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Deafening silence. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left as the prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets number 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves, and cut it into pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is the God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. Okay, so here's the, the gauntlet's been thrown down, right, by Elijah. He comes up and says, I and the only one that's left. I'm the only one true prophet of the one true God that's remaining, right? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have an Old Testament throwdown, okay? What I'm going to do is I'm going to take a bull. I'm going to prepare it, get it all ready for the offering. I'm going to build the altar. I'm going to put the wood to it. The only thing I'm not going to do is I'm not going to set fire to it. And what you're going to do is you're going to take your bull. You're going to pick it. You're going to prepare it the way that you need to prepare it. You're going to build your altar, and you don't put fire to it. And then we're going to challenge. We're going to have a little challenge. We're going to see who the one true, real God is, right? Let's go to verse number 25. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose you yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. So Elijah is the gentleman. He lets them go first, right? There's 400. He says, there's so many of you guys. You go ahead and prepare it for yourself, and you guys go ahead and get started, right? Verse number 26 says, And they took the bull that was given to them, and they prepared it, and called upon the name of Baal from the morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. So here's the scene. Those 450 prophets of Baal, they prepare their altar, they built it up, they take the bull, they cut it up into their pieces, they get it ready, there's no fire lit, and here they go, they start praying, right? They start calling out to Baal, oh Baal, answer us, send fire, right? Answer, answer our call, where are you Baal? Baal, come answer us. And this starts early in the morning, and then now it's gone till about noon, and they're still calling out to Baal, but there's no answer. It says, no one listens, right? Baal, where are you? Answer us. Nothing happens. So here is where I love Elijah, right? This is where his confidence comes in because I picture the 450 prophets of Baal screaming out. It says they even limped about the altar, which doesn't mean like they twisted their ankle or tweaked the hamstring and they're limping. This actually means like jumping or prancing or dancing around the altar. They've gone from not just a mode of prayer or calling out, standing around. Now they're jumping and dancing around the altar, doing a whole performance uh, for, the, for the gods of Baal, right? Trying to get them to answer. But there's no, but there's no, there's no answer coming from Baal. So here's, listen to Elijah. Listen to the confidence that Elijah has in his God. Here's where we get our divine trash talk, right? Verse number 27. And at noon, Elijah mocked them saying, cry louder, for he is a God. Maybe he's musing. Or maybe he's relieving himself, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and he must be awakened, right? So Elijah gets kind of down and dirty with this. He says, hey, he, he is a God. Maybe he's pretty busy, right? So you need to call a little bit louder. Maybe he can't hear you because he's going and helping somebody else right now, right? So maybe you need to call a little louder. Or, hey, maybe he took a day trip, right? Maybe he's out on a journey somewhere. So you're really going to have to shout loud for him to hear you, for him to come back over to you. He even goes as far as to say, 
Maybe Baal's on the can relieving himself, right? Maybe he's got the door shut. You need to yell a little bit louder, right? So Elijah, with his, with his uh, Old Testament trash talk here, is really getting after the prophets of Baal. And the prophets of Baal, they do not like this one bit, right? They've been yelling and screaming all morning long. They've had no response. And now they've got Elijah sitting over here in a lawn chair, sipping a Dr. Pepper, right? Mocking them, giving them Old Testament trash talk, right? Just waiting for them uh, to... to Continue acting on with their little play, right? Uh, so let's see what happens with the prophets of Baal. How do they respond to that? Uh, perhaps he is asleep and he must be awakened. Verse 28. And they cried aloud and they cut themselves after their customs with swords and with lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice, no one answered, and no one Paid attention. So now you see the, the prophets of Baal, they're getting really desperate, right? We've gone from, hey, Baal, send down the, some fire. We need, to, we need to roast this bull, right? To now we're yelling a little louder. To now we're jumping around the altar. We're prancing. We're dancing, trying to get their attention. To now we're getting mocked by the single little prophet over here all by himself. There's 450 of us. So what they decide to do is they start cutting themselves. They start stabbing themselves, take swords, they take lances and opening their own bodies and literally pouring their blood, sweat, and tears now onto this altar, right? And they're getting no response. And it says this is after their own customs. This is something that would, it sounds really abnormal to us, right? But here's what's, here's what's important for us to point out. Here with this is even the pagan religions, they see the importance and the necessity of the shedding of blood. But there's only one whose blood has the power to pardon, to protect, and to make perfect the soul. And despite all of the prophets' best efforts, the God that they had given priority and devotion to had left their performances unrewarded and their souls unfulfilled. And before we get too harsh in our judgment, because when I read this, I, probably, I reacted probably the same way you did. Cutting themselves, stabbing themselves, throwing themselves on the altar, putting their own blood on there. Dude, you guys are crazy, right? I do the very same thing multiple times. And I've got to catch myself. Not literally shedding my blood you know, on a sacrifice, but all the time I put, prior, I put things that shouldn't be in priority over the one true God. I put it in prominence over him, right? Whether it's a person or maybe it's a relationship. Or maybe it's a job, right? Uh, or maybe it's my finances. When I put those things in priority over the, my worship and my relationship with one true God, I'm just like one of these 450 prophets of Baal, limping and jumping and dancing around and doing everything I can to perform for a God that is never going to fulfill me. That's exactly what they are doing here. So before we get too harsh on our judgment of these prophets of Baal, let's make, make sure that we, we examine ourselves that we're not, we're not in this same boat, right? We're, that we're not in this, same, uh, in this same situation as they are. That we've got to make sure that we keep the one true almighty God in our relationship with him. We've got to keep that as priority number one, or we are performing for a God who's never going to satisfy us, or never going to fulfill us. So now we've seen uh, th these prophets of Baal, right? Uh, we've seen the challenge that's been laid out to them. We've seen how they performed. We saw right there at the end of that, verse number 29, or excuse me, I'm sorry, uh, verse number, yeah, verse number 29, that there was no one answered, no one paid attention, no voice. So there's no response from the prophets of Baal. Now, before we read ahead uh, and see what, what, Elijah, what Elijah does with his opportunity, I want us to go back because I want us to see the second element of this is the charge to the people, 
Okay? Uh, for this, we've got to go back to verse number 21. Go back to verse number 21. In the original setting up of this, of, of this uh, showdown, Elijah, the first thing that he says to the people is this. He comes near to all the people and he says, How long will you go about limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. So this demonstration, this challenge, uh, th this showdown, this has a twofold part, right? First, we want to see who is the one true God. Right? If it's, the, if, it's the, if it's the God of Baals, great, then we're going to follow him. If it's, if it's the one true almighty God, if he is the one true God and he performs here, then, then let's follow him. Right? But Elijah says, it is you as a nation, Israel, you have been fence-sitting for way too long. Right? Because this is what he says. How long are you going to stay limping or halting? Other translations will say halting or going back and forth between two opinions. See, what happen has happened here is under King Ahab... He has full-on accepted the idea of, the pro of, of uh, openly worshiping the prophets of Baal. So much so that those who have remained true to the one true God and the original faith, they're being persecuted for it, right? So here's what's happening. If you, are in the, if you are one of these children of Israel and you're in this crowd today and you are wanting to hold true and hold fast and worship the one true God, you're having to do it in secret, right? You're doing it inside your own home. And then when you go out, maybe you're going out to do regular conduct business, you know, conduct business as normal, right? When you're going out through your day, you have to act like in public, one of these worshipers and followers of Baal, because if it's found out that you are still worshiping the one true God, the king gets, 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 gets hear, hear, hearing of it, then it could be your life on the line, right? So in order for preserving of their own lives, they are serving two different masters, right? The one that's in secret, they are still worshiping inside their own homes. They're still worshiping the one true God. But out in public, they can't do that. They can't do that as much. They can't go to the temple and worship like they had been before openly and in public because there's fear of persecution. So a lot of these guys are sitting on the fence. They know the truth, but they can't act on it because of the fear of, because of, fear of their life, right? Uh, so here's what Elijah does, right? He says, how long are you going to keep fence sitting? How long are you going to keep going back and forth, flip-flopping between these two different opinions? You've got to choose one. We're going to find out what it is, which one is the true God today, and then you're going to have a choice that has to be made, right? So let's look at verse number 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. He brings them in close, and all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. He fixes up the altar, Elijah takes 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be your name. Now this is very important to point out, right? Because God is after every one of his people. He wants them all. He doesn't just take 10 stones, right? For just 10 of the tribes and leaves the other two on the outside. He takes all 12 stones to repair the altar because he is after his, this entire group of people. He wants all of their souls. He wants all of their hearts. He's not leaving anyone out. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two seahs of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it out on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, and do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. 
Okay, so Elijah does the same thing as the prophets of Baal. He repairs the altar. He takes the bull, cuts it up, gets it prepared, gets it dressed, puts the wood underneath it, doesn't put fire to it, but then he bumps up the, the difficulty settings, right, on the game. He says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to dig a trench around the altar. And he digs a trench. It says enough to fill two seahs of seed. A seah would be like seven and a half liters, right? So now we've got a trench around the altar that's able to hold about 14, 14 and a half to 15 gallons of seed that's around this altar. And here's what he says. Remember, they're in a three and a half year drought, right? And he says, go get that bucket of water, pour it on the altar. Good job. Go do it again. Great. Go do it again. And I can just imagine the face, some of the faces in the, in the crowd are like, man, that water could have been used for, for a lot of other things, right? We're in a three and a half year drought. We, I could have grew some crops with that, right? Or I'm pretty parched right now. I could use a drink, right? He says, no, pour it on the altar. And what he wants to do, what he is doing with this, it does have a parallel, the three days in the grave for Jesus. There's some that will, that will put that parallel to it as well. But what he is making sure is that there is no mistake that what's about to happen is nothing of his doing. It's all about God. Right, And so he's upping the difficulty settings, showing that our God, my God, Elijah, Elijah's God is so powerful that you can up the difficulty settings, you can drench this thing, pour water around it, and he's still going to show up. Right? So let's see what Elijah, what Elijah does. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, this is verse 36, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Listen to that tone. Remember, those 450 prophets of Baal, they're jumping around, yelling, screaming, dancing, cutting themselves, pouring their own blood on the altar. They've done this from morning through the lunch hour, well into the afternoon. They're getting no response. Elijah simply bows his head and gives us this 62-word prayer. And the tone of that prayer is, is nothing more than, God, get me out of the way in this situation, and I want you to show up. I'm just your servant. I'm only here because you've sent me and you've told me to do this. Now it's your turn to do your work, right? Verse number 38. Let's see what, the God, what God's response is to this prayer. O Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones, and the dust, and licked up all the water that was in the trench. So when God shows up, he shows out. Amen, right? When he shows up, he shows out. The fire that's, that's sent down, it not only consumes the offering, which was the only requirement, right? It consumes the offering. It consumes the wood. It consumes the stones. And that trench that he had built around that was full of water, Licks up all of the water, that fire that God sends down. So much so, so, much so that it says it even licks up the dust. There's no, there's no ashes that are left, right? He consumes everything. Everything is taken up by the Lord, right? We, we have a group of students, right, who, who have already returned and are coming back today that have had a mountaintop experience, right? They have met with God, literally in the mountains of Colorado, Right? They have felt this fire. 
they are bringing this fire back home with them. Let us be an encouragement to them as they come home to keep this fire stoked, right? That's a challenge for us today is to keep that, that fire stoked. But now, what, let's see, what, what, what are the children of Israel, what are they going to do with this? This has been a great demonstration of the power and the might of Almighty God. But element number three, and as the band, band makes their way forward, uh, we're going we're gonna to break this down for us. Element number three is there's got to be a choice that needs to be made. Right? It's, not, it's not okay that this is just a good demonstration of the power of the Lord. Now there's got to be a choice to be made. Let's see how the people respond in verse number 39. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. You see, this mountainside demonstration of the, of the power and the might of the one true God consuming the entirety of the sacrifice that Elijah had built on this altar was not meant to just simply be a demonstration of his power. This demonstration was meant to be transformational because this God who is running after his people doesn't want to put on a show for them. He wants to show them what new life and what real fulfilled life is. So he consumes this sacrifice. And the only proper response is exactly what the people do. They bow on their faces and say, I'm done with fence sitting. I've fence set too long. I've limped between these two opinions too long. He is the one true God. And so they bow their face and they say, oh Lord, you are the God. You are are the God. And that's not just for the children of Israel. Because 2,000 years ago, on another mountain, Mount Calvary, the ultimate perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ, was laid on the wood as the, as the only perfect blood sacrifice that could atone for the sins of us. And it's the power of the cross and his death and the power of the resurrection. It's only through that that we can have hope for eternity. So now my challenge to you is what is our response going to be? Because that mountainside over there on Mount Carmel, that consuming of the, of the sacrifice in Elijah's day, that was for them. This is for us. Will we be a people that continue to fence sit? Or will we be a people who look to the cross and realize that's got to be my priority? That's got to be number one because he's the only one that matters. Will our response today be, oh Lord, you are God. Only you are God. 